This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, Frank Proctor, your sous chef of the garden, or undergardener, as Charlie likes to prefer me as. Well said. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. My main job, however, is, well, to try and keep Charlie in a good mood, but uh, to give out the phone numbers, uh, which will in- inevitably get you along the line to James Patrick Dooley, who is our producer, and he'll be the first voice you actually hear when you call. These numbers uh, in Toronto, 416-360-0740, and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, my friends, one 866 744740. Now, to the cherub like uh, and ever lovely Charlie Dobbin. Uh, our, yes, our little gladioli of the garden. Oh, thank yes. you so much, Well, Franklin. no, 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 it's quite all right. You've just. Oh, I can't tell you, I'm blushing. <laughs> All right. What did you, you want to give us? the mantra since you gave all the phone numbers? Oh, yes. Numbers? I, of course, the mantra is call early, call often, but one question per call. You can call back, of but course. one per that, call. That's why we have the mantra, so that, that as many people as possible can get on the show and ask their questions and call right. back. And the faster you get going with your stuff, the more room we'll have for those callers that you're Number so concerned Number one about. <laughs> <laughs> on my list. Tomorrow, yeah. the Greater Toronto Bulb Society will be meeting at the Cummer Park Community Centre, 6000 Leslie Street at 1.30 p.m., Paul Zamet speaking on Lessons from the Garden, as well as Rosemary Dobson speaking on Arizona Plants and Scenery. Free parking and everyone is welcome. Have you ordered your worm castings yet, Frank? No, I have not. I'm still working on my frass. (laughs) Because starting next Saturday, and that's Saturday, May 4th, from 10 until 1 p.m., and the following Saturday, May 11th, from 10 until 1 p.m., you can pick up Worm Castings in Riverdale, uh, which is a fundraiser mm-hmm. put on by the Riverdale Hort Society. So excellent, excellent product, very affordable, uh, great opportunity. Even a small bag is only $4. Wow. Yeah. I haven't thought of, you know, having a worm farm. I guess they're they're great, are they? <clears throat> I would think, yeah. Pretty easy, I mean. Yeah, you just kind of. Yeah, stand around, wait for them to propagate, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't wait know. Wait till it rains and then yeah. they'll come to the surface. S- stand, stand by their little garden and play violin, you know, make it romantic for them. Uh, I don't know. Somebody in the worm business got it. We've got to talk to somebody. Uh, yeah. Set that well, up, Think you? about that. Yeah, okay. okay. No problem. So, right. like I said, get your worm casting. It's, this is all for amending your soil for the best crops and best ornamentals possible. So if you just to order, uh, go to RHS Worm Castings. So that's one word, RHS 
wormcastings at gmail.com. As well, of course, you can go to the website, which is RH, well, Riverdale Hort Society will give you lots of information. Uh, okay, now we're getting into plant sale time of year. So again, oh, yeah. get your calendar out here. We got lots of plant sales. First one is May the 5th, so mm-hmm. that'll be next Sunday. That's the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society. It's their fifth anniversary of super plants. It happens at the Toronto Botanical Gardens for there, uh, there's always links and all kinds of websites here, but the bottom line, triple W onrockgarden.com. So onrockgarden.com will give you lots of information. The Burlington Hort Society will be hosting a general meeting and flower show on Wednesday, May 8th at 7.30 p.m. They meet, of course, at the Burlington Senior Centre, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane. The speaker is Dan Cooper. Dan was on our show, my show, our show, um, a few months ago. He wrote the book uh, called Gardening from a Hammock. Oh, yeah, Remember yeah. Him? Really laid back doctor. guy. Yeah. yeah, really laid back. Really Good gardener and, yeah, fun. So he'll be speaking, obviously, about his book. He's going to explain how to create a low-maintenance garden with easy-care plants for sun or shade. Everyone is welcome and lots of refreshments. Another thing coming up, May the 10th. Don't look at me like that. I've got a lot. I told you. The Georgetown. I am just ecstatic that you finally called it our show. (laughs) (laughs) It was a slip of the tongue. Of course. The Georgetown Hort Society presents its annual plant sale and silent auction Friday, May 10th. 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's different. It's a plant sale in the evening. It's at the Gellert Community Center, which is 10-241-8th line, Georgetown South. Excellent selection. Perennials, annuals, shrubs, evergreens, hanging baskets, vegetables, and much more. And I think I'll just stop there, but I've got – the list goes on, but it's far now. enough in the in the future. But, yeah, like the Thornhills yeah. having a plant sale on May 11th. That's the Thornhill Hort Society. I'll give you the information next weekend, but put that on your calendar May 11th in the morning. And the Toronto Botanical Gardens has their annual plant sale May 8th to 12th. And this is one of the reasons it's a good to be a member of the Toronto yeah, Botanical yeah. Gardens because you get in earlier than the general public. You get the sneak and, preview. And really get less money too, isn't it? Oh, it's great yeah. prices. Uh, and, of course, it doesn't even open to the public till the next day. But preview day for members uh, is May the 8th. So, again, noon till 8 p.m. Put that on your calendar and we'll talk more details next week. All right. Just a word for our producer, James Patrick. Julie, uh, do we have a few uh, messages from our good folk that will leave me time? Time to run to my uh, little storage oh, drawer and retrieve my retrieve my, bell. Be- my bell that welcomes new callers to the air. Yeah, I figure okay. you're kind of the Tinker Bell to the. I'll be the Peter Pan, you be the Tinker Bell. You're the Robin well, to my Batman, right? I will let the listeners just imagine me <laughs> grand jeting to the door here. Just hop, skip, a jump, and a great leap in the air, and here I go, and we'll be back momentarily. <laughs> Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And hello, here we've just popped up again (laughs) on a Saturday morning. Uh, Frank Proctor, your sous chef. Oh, you do make me giggle. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, You're easily entertained, that's all I got to say. Yeah, uh, Charlie Dobbin, of course, our master gardener. And let's welcome our callers to the line. And I do have my little bell to welcome those who are first-time callers. So let us know. Right. Norm, uh, what's the case in in your uh, situation there in Brampton? Uh, well, I'm a first-time caller. Well, that's hey, hey. There, you, you get your wings. 
<laughs> yeah, Charlie, I've, uh, I've got a passion for banana plants. I bought the first one 20-odd years ago. I'm uh-huh. up to about eight plants, but I can't get them to grow taller than two feet. Oh. I've seen somebody put... else who had like a five- or six-foot plant in yeah. their porch, you know, and I thought, wow. Do you so put them outside? Do you put them outside in the summer? Yeah, yeah. As soon as the the last frost is over, mid-May, I put them out, and they mm-hmm. seem to. They're very dark and green and leafy. Uh, yeah. Huge leaves. They look very healthy. They're always giving off little shoots and yep. things, but uh, I can't get them past the two-fifth stage. Huh. Uh, now it could be a variety. Are these? Oh, I got them at one of the big box stores, okay. and the pictures on um at the time showed them a decent height. At right. least, you know. Regular bananas. Yeah. The only time I've ever grown a banana, it was the, the hardy variety, the one that actually would survive if I lived in Victoria and I could leave it outside there. Uh, here in Ontario, I had to bring it in in the winter. But, yeah, it would get not only five feet tall but five feet wide. Like it had, it had a lot of width to it when, the leaf, when it was full of leaves. Now, okay, so you're getting outside. You are obviously putting it in lots of sun. You're moving it slowly into the sun. When well, I've tried both. I've tried indirect bright back porch. I've tried the direct front porch approach. They look healthy as anything. They just don't seem to get past that two-foot height. And what about the pot size? I've got them in large um, circular clay pots. They're about probably a foot deep by a foot wide. Okay. Oh, that's, that's... What they seem to do is when they grow really well they just give off more and more new plants instead of growing taller yeah which are the little baby the suckers or daughter plants tell me about fertilizer do you fertilize yes yes i use the uh, once a month i don't know if that's enough in the winter time okay well number one i wouldn't fertilize in the winter time because plants are not actively growing light levels are too low when you do fertilize what are you using what formulation uh it's the popular one there and oh comes in a box green and yellow box the name is off a miracle grow? That's it. Okay. Miracle grow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, and that should be fine. That should work fine. Yeah. Hmm. And they look healthy. As it is, it's just the height issue. They can't get them yeah. to grow taller. Obviously, even give off flowers or anything. So. No, you. It, it would be absolutely years. amazing to get a banana to flower here in Ontario. Uh, it would be truly amazing. But I'm thinking, you know what I would do if I were you? So all the bananas you're growing are from that first original one that you bought from the big box store. From the first original plant, yep. yeah. Okay, so I think you need to branch out and get yourself a new banana. That Because remember, that uh, that first banana you got and all the little babies that have come off of it are all genetically identical, right? Uh, They're all clones of that original plant. So whatever you achieve, successes you achieve with one, it's going to be right across the board. So I think you need to change up your genetics a bit. You need to get another uh, example of a different banana in there and work with that. Yeah, and you could be right. And this is the right time of year because this is when all the tropicals start going into the garden centers and even, you know, the big box stores will have all kinds of exotic tropicals for us to purchase, to, you know, use on our patios and hopefully bring inside for the winter like you have. So mm-hmm. that, that's what I would do. And if uh, you're in the Brampton area, if you're at all going towards the Niagara area, that's where I'd even be inclined to shop if you can because they have real good selections on um, unusual okay. tropicals because we call it the banana belt down there. That's so right. they, they yeah. always have lots of bananas. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks, Norm. But it sounds to me like what you're doing is all good. It's just the, the variety you've got. Yeah. Okay. And, and don't right. throw the peels on the sidewalk, okay? <laughs>
Okay. There's, Thanks, there's Norm, Norm from Brampton calling in here on The Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio, live from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah. I like the Beautiful Zoomerplex. Beautiful studios. Oh, golly. At Lou in King City is waiting on the line, patiently uh, ready to talk to you. Hi, Lou. Yeah, good morning, uh, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. I almost had a slip of the tongue and said, good morning, Frank and oh, Charlie. Oh, geez. <laughs> you, you would have gotten me in so much trouble. <laughs> I like it. Now the callers are even getting oh. trained. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, my question is, how do you propagate hydrangea, the endless summer variety or mm. the, the blue variety? I have no trouble propagating the Annabelle or whatever. That's so mm. easy. Yeah, and you're just when you propagate Annabelle, you're doing it with cuttings, right? Right. It's exactly the same with the endless summer. Really? Yeah, but I will tell you that plant is protected by plant patents. Oh. So if you're going to propagate it, it's got to be for your own personal use. It cannot be for to disseminate to others. Yeah, it's only for my personal yeah. Uh, yeah. use yeah. enjoyment. Yeah, because the the plant patent police will come down and arrest you. <laughs> I've done that before. I never succeeded, though. It would, oh, really? Yeah, Annabelle, it's so easy. What time of year did you try to propagate endless summer? Uh, around springtime. Yeah, it should be. The right time should be this year, probably mid to late June. Uh, it's when the plants are actively growing. And if you, the way you know a plant is ready to be um, propagated by cuttings is you get a little razor blade and you slice off the outer bark. And if it's really slippery underneath, it, that is actually, that's a growing meristem there. Anyway, it's a lot of cell division going on there. And that's what that slipperiness is all about. And it's when a plant is at that state that it is most ripe for uh, growing anything. So, of course, we want roots, and that's what w- that will grow given the right conditions. So, you know, to cut about a six inch cutting, make sure that you've got a node where their bumps are on the stems mm-hmm. underneath, uh, whether it's perlite or sand or what, pr- what medium were you using to uh, propagate your other oh, hydrangeas? Just a regular uh, uh, flower. A soil. Uh, soil, yeah. Oh, okay. I'd be inclined to use something a little more specialized, like perlite, straight perlite or straight sand that okay. you can keep completely um, uh, moist. And also you can start with it as a sterilized product. I mean, that's part of it too, right? When we've got cut stems, so we've got open wounds, and we've got high levels of moisture, there is always the chance of disease. So good, always good to have your medium sterile to start with, and that way, again, you're going to limit any disease problems. And do you prune the uh, endless summer uh, just like you prune the, uh, the, uh, the Annabelle variety? Uh, pruning for propagating or pruning in general? Uh, pruning in general. You've got it down to about six inches. That's right. Exactly. Oh, so it doesn't grow on the old growth then? Eh? Well, actually, endless summer does and Annabelle doesn't. So usually what I do with endless summer is I wait to see what's alive in the spring. And I cut away everything that's dead, and then I look at what's alive. And if it's all kind of unbalanced and, you know, there's a 7-inch stem and a 2-inch stem and a 12-inch stem, I I try to balance it and cut everything back so that there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, balance to the plant so that when it grows, it won't be all kind of one-sided. Okay, good, great. But but endless summer is unusual that it does grow and bloom on both old and new wood. Okay. Okay, whereas Annabelle blooms on new wood only. 
But the endless summer is the same as other blue varieties. Yeah. Similar, right? They're all macrophylas. Yeah, okay. hydrangea macrophylla. Thank you very much. You're Thank very you, welcome. Lou. Thanks, Lou. And uh, always a pleasure to hear from the folks uh, in and around King City. Particularly when they remember Hmm. what order in which to say good morning to us. We like uh, that. You know, I'm just thinking, we had a little conversation off the air about the possibility at some point in the future there might be cameras in the studio here. (laughs) uh, It's big enough. It's kind of frightening to think of. But uh, I'm I'm thinking in particular right at moments like this when I am really tempted with the sum out. (laughs) To put on my Lululemon transparent yoga no, pants. No, 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 no. I much my, prefer your spandex. My, oh, spandex? Yeah, yeah. Or that lycra. Oh. Remember that lycra suit you had? I'll have to had? pack that stuff away then. <laughs> okay. Good enough. But in you the meantime... You can get your money back on those yes. see-through pants. I don't know why you keep wearing them. <laughs> you don't? Well, we should... Maybe explain sometime. Yes. Why, uh, why, why are we anyway, talking while, about Anyway, while I pack away all my pants. transparent Lululemon pants. I'll be doing some exercises yes, because you you're too busy packing. And, of course, the reason both Frank and I are You can are see what so I'm packing with these things. Act, I'm not looking. We're, we're so active and having so much fun with it is that both Frank and I take something called Sierra Sil. It's a completely natural mineral supplement that keeps us pain-free while we're staying active and busy. Exactly. All right, so very good website, sierrasill.ca, or give them a call. Wonderful people in Vancouver, one eight seven seven joint 14 or pick up Sierra Sill at your local health food store, like the Big Carrot on Danforth. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And with our producer's kind permission, I'll plug those phone numbers that keep him really busy, James Patrick Dooley, 416 <laughs> 3600740 and then anywhere else in the province toll free 18667404740 and do remember to tell us if you are a first time caller and this is what you shall hear yes you're a little Clarence Bell that <laughs> Remember when you... you first rang that bell it was oh like my God, oh my god it was like a gong it was like it was like a big ben you were having way too much fun with it though i know you i were know like i got waving your i got kind of carried away with my own enthusiasm yes, hmm. i'm going to be carried away pretty soon i think anyway <laughs> Uh, Jennifer in Scarborough on the line, all set to talk to you here, Charlie. Hi, Jennifer. Uh, hi. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. Good hi. morning. I'm a first-time caller. Whoa, okay. <laughs> there we are. Welcome. Um, my question is, I have a small garden. Mm-hmm. It's um, nine feet by four feet, and I have a Sasta daisy and a black-eyed Susan, mm-hmm. and I'd like to move it. The mm-hmm. Sasta daisy's at the front, and it's grows too tall, and when the black-eyed Susan comes up, I really can't see it. (laughs) When is the best time to move it? Now. Right now, as long as your ground isn't too soggy. Because, okay. you know, we, if you're in a low area and it's it's all kind of mushy, don't be doing any digging yet. Okay. But as long as this, the test for getting into our gardens and starting to dig and move and divide is take a handful of soil, make a fist with that handful, open your hand up and see if that ball of soil stays in a tight little ball or if it falls open into a into a loose bit of soil. If it stays in a tight little ball, your soil is still too wet, so stay out of the garden. But once you open your hand and it 
open, you know, cracks open. Yeah. Perfect. Get into that garden. You, you'll you see the Shasta sh- and the Black-Eyed Susan should both be quite obvious now with small green leaves. Yes. Uh, be careful with black-eyed Susans. They have a tendency to take over gardens. So oh, okay. watch. It may have seeded itself a little bit. You may have some unexpected seedlings coming up. And it's a bit of a brute. So control it. Love it. But control it. Because okay. you don't have a very big garden. And it no. could easily be all black-eyed Susans if you <laughs> okay. blink and okay. miss what's going on there. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye-bye, Bye-bye. Jennifer. Thanks for joining us here on The Garden Show from AM740. And Ray from... From Coburg is on the line. Charlie, good morning, Ray. Good morning. This is my fourth Saturday trying to get through, and I've been left hanging on the line at the end of your show. Well, oh, wow. didn't you learn your lesson well? Call yeah, early, I huh? Yeah. Earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, hey, Ray. <laughs> good morning, Charlie. I, I have a problem with moss on the uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, south side of my property, and there's a neighbor has a large uh, cedar hedge. Mm-hmm on their property, which is part of the problem. Right. When I first moved here 20 years ago, we had nice grass, but gradually it's all disappearing and turning to moss. And uh, mm-hmm. is there something I can spray on the moss? So- someone uh, told me that uh, uh, vinegar and water would be good. Uh, okay. Well, okay, first of all, let's think about what conditions are making it possible for the moss to thrive and grass to not thrive, all right? Cedar hedge is creating some shade. Yes. And I assume that that cedar hedge is to the south. Uh, your neighbor yes. is to your south. And you're talking about the, <clears throat> excuse me, south side of your yard, but the north side of the cedar hedge right, where right. it's quite shady. Yes. It's also probably somewhat dank and dark. Uh, shady from the plant, but also cedars love moisture, and they we tend to plant them into lower areas. They love that moisture in the lower areas. It's also where moss tends to thrive. Moisture and shade are the perfect conditions for moss. Right. So, a couple of things. These are my neighbor's uh, cedars. Of course. uh, I can't very well uh, cut them down. No, I realize. (laughs) A couple of things you can do. One is you can get some sand and uh, help with some better drainage on your side. Right. Also, that would raise the elevation a bit so that you would be uh, helping the moisture to move through the cedar hedge to your neighbor's side, south, to the south. Right. So ra- not, not, you can't raise dramatically, but even, you know, half an inch, three quarters of an inch of w- real granular sand will help with drainage in that area. Um, there are products on the shelves that are demossers. I tried something called moss out, but yeah. uh, that wasn't too successful for me. Right. And that's also the issue is that I know they're usually soap based when I see those demossers. The thing about vinegar, I see I wouldn't use vinegar because the other thing that's probably going on is the pH around the cedars tends to be a little lower than neutral. So it tends to be a little on the acidic side, Oh yeah, which is, again, perfect conditions for moss. The other thing we can add to our soil to make it unfavorable for the moss is horticultural lime. Right. Uh, Which, again, will raise the pH around that soil area. The cedars are well established. They're not going to hurt at all. But certainly the moss will not like it. Now, I've had some leftover baking soda from the fridge, and I sprinkled that all over, and mm-hmm. that seemed to turn it all orange, but it didn't last very long. Didn't kill. Yeah, well, I mean, they keep in mind as well, one of the best ways to eliminate the moss, is it a really, like, long hedge? Is it a huge expanse? Oh, yes, yes. It's like a like couple hundred feet kind of thing? Or? Well, I'd say uh, 100 feet. Yeah. Well... 
So um, I get out a rake, like a stiff rake. I would rake up the moss as much as you can. Uh, I would get some lime down. I'd get some sand down. And if you want to grow grass seed there, remember, shady and dark, shady and moist is not grass conditions. No. So get yourself some grass seed that is designed for those conditions. Right. Shade-tolerant grass. Uh, and do what you can to eliminate the high levels of moisture, right. and you might be able to grow some grass in there. But you don't think the vinegar idea is a good one? Nope. Okay, then. <laughs> Thanks very much, then. You're very welcome. Bye Thanks bye. for your call. Thanks for calling, Ray. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. And you're Should listening to The Garden Show. Ray if he mm-hmm. was a first-time caller. Oh, yeah, son of a gun. He might have been. Well, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, he said he tried. He should get a, a jingle anyway. Well, I, yeah. He, he tried so many times. times. Last, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, last uh, Saturdays. Gosh. Right. Hey, there's Frida in Guelph. Hi, Frida. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, now, I have a problem with uh, uh, my orchids. Mm-hmm. And they, um, I'm sure there's a bug in it. Uh, the leaves get uh, shiny, and then uh, they drip, and it's all sticky. Mm-hmm. That's a bug. Yikes, that doesn't and, sound and, good, though. Uh, I'm wondering how to get rid of it and, and if it will spread to my other plants. Yes. Well, first of all, I would isolate the plant where you, this is happening. The reason you know it's a bug, and that's, you know, it's good that you've recognized that, it's a bug with um, mouth parts that pierce the leaf. And so they pierce little holes and suck a bunch of juices and then move on and leave the holes behind. And then the nectar or the juices from the plant continue to drip, and that's where that shininess comes from. So what kind of insects have that? There's a number of them. Most of them should be very visible to you. Uh, one would be scale insects. Have you, tell me this, this orchid. Have you looked underneath the leaves? Uh, yes, the, underneath the leaves... Uh, 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 sometimes there's a, there's a, I noticed on one there was a little bump and they would wash off. Right, good idea. You want to keep washing those off. There's, it was a little bump brown or gray, a little shiny. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that is a scale insect. And of course, scale move very, very slowly. Uh, but they do, you know, in their entire lives, move about four inches. So it is important that you do isolate this plant from the other plants and inspect them all thoroughly. Scale can be found on spider plants, brown, shiny bump. Again, typically on the underside of the leaves. Uh, sometimes we'll get scale on our uh, things like English ivy uh, in terms of indoor plants. And orchids, unfortunately, can be susceptible to some insects, usually because of lack of humidity. It's all about the humidity for the orchids. A happy orchid, as so many plants, happy plants are not, they just don't attract bugs or, you know, problems. Mm-hmm. But this one, you know, they, they look very healthy. There's new leaves coming and so on. Oh, but, that's great. Well, do um, study very closely and look down into the cracks and crannies and crevices. And with your fingernail uh, or a Q-tip, whatever, get those, uh, you know, scrape those little bumps off and yeah. put them right in the toilet. Mm. Uh, that's my best suggestion. The other thing is you could, I don't know if I would do it unless absolutely necessary, soap solution, you know, like the safer soap or make up your own mixture of soap and water. Yeah, uh, well, can, I have done that and it hasn't helped at all. Right. Well, that will kill on contact, but it will only, you have to contact the bugs and the bugs can't have that little shell on them. Once the scale builds the shell, it's protected from the soap. 
Oh, my. Right, so you have to flip it over, and there's its little body underneath. Yeah. Spray that little body, but by that time you've taken it off anyway. So, you know, scale insects are usually easier just to pick off when it comes to uh, houseplants. Yes. Okay. okay. All right, and lots of humidity. Get a pebble tray. Get some moisture below that plant. Mist it a couple times a day. Do fertilize once every couple of weeks. Yes. Okay. Oh, well, that's great. I'll certainly try that. All right. Thanks for your call. Yeah, thank you very much. And I'm a first-time caller. Oh, oh are you oh. really? Oh, well, Frida. There you go. Congratulations. Oh, thank Thanks for calling. Much. <laughs> I love your show. Thank well, thanks you. so much. Thank and you. Guelph is such a beautiful area, too. Isn't I love it? the architecture, the use of uh, the Limestone. stone. Oh, boy. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, speaking of beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> the beautiful Charlie Dobbin is set to answer another question here. I was wondering where you were going with that. Well, yes, so was I, come to think of it. Uh, Alan in Streetsville's on the line. Hello, Alan. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Hi, Charlie and Frank. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Hi, Frank and Charlie. <laughs> and I am a first-time caller. Well, here you go. Gosh, that's fantastic. Welcome Charlie, to the show. I have, I have a question about uh, two uh, of my favorite uh, little plants that I planted in on my porch in a planter box, mm-hmm. a Japanese hydrangea. Mm-hmm. And they are absolutely stunning. So I bought them uh, over a year ago. Actually, they went through a season already. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened was they grew fast. Mm-hmm. I, had, I bought them at about two feet. Now they're at about 10 feet mm-hmm. vine. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year, um, something was eating the leaves, and they were going for the blossoms as well, which huh. is beautiful. And I could not figure out what the heck was going on? And I sprayed them, and I did all sorts of things. This year, one of them is already uh, budding out. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one is not showing signs of life. Um, So I'm wondering if it's a bug of some sort or... So were the the actual chewing from the edges of the leaves, like it was all kind of serrated? Yes. Huh. Yeah, that's a tricky one, eh? I mean, um, climbing hydrangea, lovely plant, not particularly susceptible to any specific bug. I mean, um, we had quite a few earwigs out last year, and Uh, earwigs aren't picky. I find that they'll chew from the edge just about anything. And, you know, they'll take a beautiful clematis flower and make it look like somebody took out pinking shears and, you know, trimmed it all the way around, make it all jiggy-jaggy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's... I, if, I found a few spiders on it, but... And, uh, spiders you know. won't, won't do any damage at all. No, uh, you know, spider I, mites will, but you won't see spider mites. Um, uh, that's why. And the other thing is, if you you see damage, but you don't see insects, and you really look closely, and you you know get down, and you're looking all different angles, you know, underside of the leaves. I am. Yeah, you're doing all that, and you see nothing, absolutely nothing strange no. and out of, out of order, then we always suspect a nocturnal you know, predator of some kind. Ah. And, of course, that's exactly what earwigs are. They are nocturnal. Um, Things like slugs and snails, they don't go for climbing hydrangea at all particularly. So, you know, I wouldn't suspect them. And, again, they tend to be very nocturnal in their eating habits. Um, So what would you do? Now, you say they're in planter boxes. Yes, they are. They're on the porch, planter boxes. Okay. Um, Maybe... 15, 16 inches by about 8 or 12 inches with, uh, you know, good, wow. rich soil in yeah. them. I transplanted them. Yeah, yeah, and that one sounds very big, so it's obviously on a trellis of some kind growing. Uh, yes, it is. Wow. And the other one, you don't see any growth. So the one you don't well, see not any... not right now, I yeah. don't, but maybe, I, maybe I'm... 
being a little too yeah. early with that. It is a the bit other of a one is, late seems very spring. healthy, but this one, yeah. Well, don't hesitate when something. Uh, this is the time of year now on sunny days like today. We get out and we trim the deadwood. So uh, where something is is definitely dead the the bark is all wizened up and of course in the case of climbing hydrangea it's a brown shaggy bark anyway yes but when it's dead you'll know it because it'll be black as opposed to brown and Not shiny black. it's fairly pliable okay. you know oh, okay but even just trimming the tips sometimes will force a plant out of dormancy if we're concerned that oh. it's staying dormant too long what about watering it or something right now uh well definitely if it's in planter boxes i mean we haven't uh, depending on how much rain you've had you definitely want to ensure that there's sufficient hydration on all your plants at this time of year uh we're going to get 18 degree days coming also get ready with your fertilizer where you're gardening above ground in planter boxes the soil is quite a bit warmer than the soil down under the ground so you're at the point where you could be fertilizing now whereas those of us with plants in the ground should still wait another week or two until the soil warms up a bit Uh, the plants aren't really actively growing it's just too cold still Uh, but um, I mean I guess the only other thing would be like I say suspect earwigs consider putting out some earwig traps uh, which is just empty pieces of hose uh, where they will hide during the day or the old, even the bowls of beer. Apparently, earwigs will, will jump into yeah, those. I have to give little, up some beer. I know. It's yeah, such a waste the, of good beer. In Charlie's case, no, the I bugs will. have to I work will. hard. I love these plants. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and the other thing is cycles, right? You know, we have cycles of insects. So this year yeah. will be very different from last year. Okay. So keep an eye. If it happens again, give us a call again. I sure will. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for calling. Take care. Appreciate it. Hi to the gang in Streetsville on behalf of Alan. Oh, thank you. Okay. (laughs) All the very best. We're getting some great first-time callers today. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know Alan sounded like a pretty... uh, uh, supple and active guy. <laughs> supple. Well, yeah, you. because no, he was climbing all over the plants looking for all the little bugs. Yeah, and he wasn't hesitating. Gad knows what. Uh, so I have a, a sneaky suspicion he might already be taking Sierra. So he sounded think? pretty yeah. young to me, but you never know. Oh, I never know. Here's, here's from the Sierra Sill marketing information. Of course, one of the things is that if you're stiff and sore and have trouble bending and lifting mm-hmm. and, and just using some of your body parts, the Sierra Sill people say most people will feel better in 14 days. Not everybody. This doesn't work for everybody. But boomers who want freedom to maintain their favorite activities with reduced aches and stiffness might want to try Sierra Sill and expect to feel better within 14 days. For more information, one eight seven seven joint 14 that's catchy, uh, website, sierrasill.ca. Uh, the, and, of course, a number of health food stores carry Sierra Sill as well. One right here in our neighborhood is uh, Foods for Life on Bloor Street in the Bloor West Village. Well, there you go. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And a big thank you to our producer there, James Patrick Dooley. <laughs> I forgot to shut our mics off there. Uh, he and did. he quickly did because he knows, he knows. We are a bit forgetful. What goes on to shows sometimes shouldn't go on the air. Well, hello. Yeah. Uh, Nancy in uh, Etobicoke, definitely you're going to be on the air right now. Good morning. Hello. Good hello. morning. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Nancy. I'd like to know if I could plant a 
H-Y-D-R-A-N-G-E-A plant in the ground? Um, maybe not quite yet. It, that's a hydrangea. Is it something that you've got inside the house right now? Yes. And it's got big flowers on it? Yes. I would wait until we are frost free. So uh, I wait another four or five weeks. May 24th weekend is usually our magical time when we, we're pretty convinced we're frost free at that point. Plus the ground is just too cold. The soil is too cold. The poor little plant will go into shock. Do they come up every year? They can. The one you have is what's considered a florist hydrangea. It has been grown in a greenhouse and forced into flower for the consumers to have inside their homes for Easter, uh, Mother's Day. They're very popular. Lovely plants. Some people find that when they plant them outdoors, they will last for many years. Uh, others, depending on where you live, find eh, first maybe one, two years, and then it doesn't make it through one of the winters. But you're in Etobicoke, so it's fairly mild. If you find... Um, uh, preferably uh, facing east location for it, uh, you will probably find it'll do, it'll do just fine once you can get it outside. But do wait a few more weeks. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Nancy, are you a first-time caller? Yes, I am. I thought well, you were. There you go. You got your wings. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for calling. All righty. And John in Mississauga is on the line with us. Good morning, John. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, and welcome back. It's been a habit now <laughs> calling you every week. I'm not a first-time caller. <laughs> I know I it. The bell. <laughs> <laughs> you like the bell, do you? Yeah, you don't get a bell, <laughs> I like sorry. The bell, cha- uh, cha- thank you. <laughs> okay. um, Charlie. Yep. Um, I thought I called you in the past, you know, mm-hmm. in the past years, mm-hmm. um, regarding my fruities. Mm-hmm. I have 10 fruities. Mm-hmm. Um, I already sprayed uh, dormant oil lime sulfur. Okay. Um, I was going to do it again, but I noticed that the buds are out. They've actually, okay, green buds that have not broken open are okay to spray. Are okay to spray again with dormant oil lime sulfur? It, as long as the buds, have the buds opened at all? No, but they are forming, right? Yeah, of course. They're swelling up. That's, that's yes, great. That's what we want. Yes. we want. We're seeing that on all of our happy, healthy trees and uh-huh. shrubs. We're seeing the buds starting to fatten up, and that's good. That We know really spring is in the air when we see that. So, no, absolutely. You can spray again, and I would recommend that you do, actually. Yeah, because I was going to ask you whether I, I, I use the, lime, uh, the dormant oil lime sulfur again mm-hmm. or I use the Bordeaux. No, save the Bordeaux until the, you've got some leaves. Uh-huh. But remember, we don't spray anything when our fruit trees are flowering. No, yeah, that, yeah, that's that I know. Yeah. Right. So you and know, because now that that's all you can buy, I think Bordeaux only, right? Um. Well, diazonon or malatayon, no, or because I have some of that. No, and you can't. Well, you can't buy that. And yeah. yes, but keep in mind, Bordeaux is a fungicide. The two you mentioned, malathion and diazonon, which are no longer on the market, yeah. are insecticides. The trick with fruit trees is that they are susceptible to both fungal yeah. diseases and insects. And that's where your, your lime sulfur is your fungicide and your horticultural oil is your insecticide. So okay. putting those together, you are doing a preventative spray to uh, not only annihilate overwintering spores and insects, but also protect these plants moving forward. But a second spray is always a good idea with the fruit trees. Yeah, because to be honest with you, I was going to do it yesterday, and then I said, you know what, let's, let's phone Charlie first and make sure. <laughs> well, I'm glad you called. It's good well, to hear I from lo- you. Seriously, I like to listen to your show. You know, it's, Frank is funny, and I, I, I like him and all that stuff. And uh, so I, I hope I can do that today, although it's a little bit windy. 
it's supposed to be quite windy as the day progresses. So t- tomorrow might be a better day. Yeah, I think I'll early in the day. Early. Yeah, you know, the least amount of wind is sort of sunrise and yeah, sunset. So either with end. The stink of the sulfur. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Your neighbors will be will be All complaining right, if they're that. out today. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Thanks, nice John. To, nice to hear your. Uh, show all the time. Well, thank you very much. You've got very good taste, I I must say. I was going to say, I like Frank, too. (laughs) He finds you funny. Yes, excellent. And so do you. I do. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, now, here we are at a point in the show when I have to take a little break because I'm blushing. And uh, we've got to move along to some of our fine sponsors. But we will return, Mm -hmm. Charlie Dobbin, Shell, with the answers. Uh, Sandra and Milton is going to talk to you in just moments, right here on The Garden Show from AM740, live and direct from the Zoomerplex. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, Frank Proctor, the sous chef, the undergardener, <laughs> here to help out Charlie in any way I possibly can. <clears throat> yes, I've Sa- noticed yes. that. Sandra from Milton is all set to talk to you, Charlie. I could use a massage. <clears throat> you need a massage. Well, you said you're going to help well, me out in any way you can. All right. <laughs> <laughs> morning, Hello, Sandra. Sandra. <laughs> Good morning, Charlie. <laughs> I am a first caller to oh. you, but Frank and I are buddies. So. Ah. Sandra, Sandra, where? Uh, okay. From Milton. Milton. Yeah, yeah, you've done, you've done me on the diner. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's too much too information. Too much information there. <laughs> no, you're you're a great fella, and so is Thank Charlie. You. <laughs> Thank Charlie, you. you spoke to mm-hmm. us on the radio through this past week mm-hmm. about. Um, Powdery mildew on impatience. Downy mildew, yep. Does it have um, an appearance? Because I have lost um, impatience over the last couple of years Mm -hmm. in the same bed, Mm -hmm. um, which is mostly where I plant impatience. Mm -hmm. And um, they just wilt off at the stem, at the soil level. Very quickly. Is that what it is? Yep, that's it. Okay. And so since that's happened to you in that soil, you know there is downy mildew in that soil, and that will continue to be there for as long as five years. That's what you said. Yeah, so you should not plant impatience there, even if you can buy impatience. Don't plant them because if, even if they come in totally free and healthy, they're going to go down in that soil. Okay. I, and I know that you gave us uh, some several alternatives yeah. as far as annuals. Yeah. Um. Can I plant impatience elsewhere? Yes. Like in other faraway beds? Or- That's right. And, but you see, the other thing with the downy mildew is that the, when the plants are propagated, they're grown by the growers in mass you know, quantities, they can look fine when they leave the retailer, mm-hmm. but they could be carrying downy mildew and nobody knows it because it's obviously an invisible or microscopic spore that will um, propagate itself and destroy the plants over a period of time. I had impatience that went down in one of my beds last year, but I bet you it was – it didn't really thrive for starters. I put the impatience in. They sort of sat there, sat there, sat there, right. and then they keeled right over, and they sat there for a good month to five weeks before they actually just keeled right over. Okay. Now, they probably were infected when they came in, and that's why they didn't really take off because usually impatience takes right off. Mm-hmm. So they don't really have a powdery appearance nope. or nope. anything? 
Only you, the, the stems just going like water. That's right. Exactly. Because exactly. I thought I was maybe overwatering them I during know. that drought. But I know. Okay. I know. People do that. They tend to, to blame themselves. Oh, my gosh. I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. I overwatered. I underwatered. I did something. But no. It, and so that's why we're, we're just going to see fewer impatience available, unfortunately. We've okay. loved them and relied on them. But now we're going to have to be a little more creative and change it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Hey, have Sandra, I, I look forward to doing you on the diner again. Maybe today. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for calling. All right. Ooh, I'm going to in for that. <laughs> if my wife is listening, I my hope. God, am I in trouble. Well, <laughs> you better hope she's not yeah, listening. Die? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, Rita in Port Colburn is set to uh, have a chat with you, Charlie. Hello there, Rita. Good morning, Charlie. Good and morning. Good morning to you, Frank. Thank you. I am a longtime listener, but a first-time caller. Oh, I have brother. A feeling. There we Welcome are. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I enjoy your show. I listen to you every Saturday when I can. Good stuff. Um, Charlie, I have an anthurium, mm-hmm. and the leaves are all turning brown and very crisp. From the edges. Uh, even in the center. The big leaves have great uh, big brown spots right in the center. Okay, so where is that anthurium located in your house? Well, it's it's in the center of a room where it gets a lot of light, but it's not right out a window. Wow, and has that been in that same spot for months and months and yes. years and years? And I asked at two different greenhouses and got two contradicting <laughs> opinions. <laughs> so and then my next step was to put it in a bigger pot, to, to, uh, to put it in a larger pot. But I thought I would call and ask you first. Well, okay, keep in mind that transplanting in the spring is a great idea. That's uh-huh. the best time to do it, uh, when the plants are actively growing. Uh-huh. I would not transplant a plant that is under the kind of stress that this one sounds like it's under, unless absolutely necessary, meaning that there's roots growing out of the bottom of the pot or something like that. No, there something. isn't. Yeah, so something tells you that uh-huh. you know it needs to be transplanted, go ahead and do it. Otherwise, I would wait. Okay, but how will I care for it? Uh, that, uh, what What are the watering rules? And <laughs> okay, well, no, it's a, it's a good question. I'm doing something wrong. Well, usually, as soon as that reason I asked you where it was located is because anthurium. We, Remember that the light levels change as we go from winter to summer. The the sun gets higher in the sky. It starts beating into some of our windows that it hasn't been coming into all winter. Uh-huh. Anthurium and any of our houseplants can get burned. Their leaves can get burned by direct sunlight beating down on them when they haven't had that sun for uh-huh. the last six months. So I'm wonder- that's why I wondered if perhaps it was in a window and now all of a sudden it was getting you know fried by the sun. Doesn't sound like it though. No, you said it's in the no. middle of the room. And hmm. the window is a west window. Okay. But yeah. It, so it that's just that gets hot. a lot of light, but it's not in the window. The secrets of success of anthurium: average temperature, so just regular, uh, you know, room temperature. Uh-huh. Bright light in winter protect from summer sun. Uh huh. Water. Give a little water every few days to keep the compost compost moist so at you're all telling times. Me to keep it moist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, you definitely keep it moist. Don't let it dry out. Okay. Definitely keep it moist. Uh, mist the leaves very frequently. Do everything to increase humidity around the plant. And one greenhouse told me not to mist it. Okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> they do love their humidity. Saying mist your plants because your plants love the mist. Yeah, the humidity is so important. I mean, this is uh-huh. a tropical plant, right? Yes, Think of right. Think of Jamaica or Hawaii or someplace. Hawaii, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. And that's where these plants are going to naturally thrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only other thing is to repot 
that every two years in the spring, as you point out. Mm-hmm. But I would really base that on the fact that the plant is thriving when it's time to repot. I wouldn't. Okay. Will rush. I cut the leaves that? Uh, will I cut these leaves off that have the brown spots on them, or will I wait until they're all brown and dead? Wait until they're uh, mostly brown, uh-huh. and then remove them. I mean, if they're really unsightly, take them off because you know what? I, plants do respond to grooming and to being kept looking good. Yeah. So while you're you know, cleaning up the plant, it, you're talking to it about how it looks so much better. Yeah. And it does, they do respond to that. Okay. Don't laugh. I think they really do. I'm not kidding. Frank's I, looking oh, at I'm, me I'm, like I'm nuts. I'm looking, but... at, I'm looking <laughs> at it with a smile because I can just envision what she's saying to a plant. <laughs> Knowing Charlie. I threaten but, them mostly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You grow more else, boy, that's I'll right. tell you. <laughs> okay, I'll threaten it. Yeah, that's beautiful. It. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, no, African violets are a perfect example of that. If you keep your African violets really tidy and clean and everything else, they'll just perk along oh, and flower forever. Oh, I have beautiful forever. African violets. That's yeah. why I don't – that's why I'm, I'm – I'm a little puzzled about yeah. this anthurium. Well, anthurium like a lot more water than African violets, okay. and they're far more susceptible to low humidity than African okay. violets. Okay, well, I'm going to be patient a little bit longer. I will not repot it, and uh, we'll see what happens. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. let us know, really. Yeah, and okay. you've got time, right? It's not spring yet. <laughs> Thank you so much to both of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Now, do we have time for one more caller? Uh, there is. Um... No, if you want, I, I know you probably would like. Well, I know you. Well, Ralph's waiting. Well, Let's Ralph talk is waiting Ralph. from Hamilton. I thought. He's on the mountain there. Oh, so. and it's a good, it's a good question, yes. too. Hello. Uh, certainly. Welcome, Ralph. <laughs> good morning. How are you this morning? Wonderful. Great. Sounds great. My, my problem is, I think you are aware, is that I get blossom end rot on my tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the early ones are, seem to be all right, but as they get uh, into another week or two, then they just have blossom end rot. Okay. So what have you done to try and counteract that? Absolutely nothing, because I don't know what to do. There. Well, I'm glad you called then. All right. So blossom end rot, for people who are listening and don't know what we're talking about, when you grow tomatoes, they're hanging on the plant, and the little stem where they're attached to the plant is, of course, the top of the tomato. And at the bottom of the tomato, where the flower was, or the blossom, is where rot can begin and cause the tomato to be completely useless. You, it just tastes disgusting. You don't want to eat it when it's got blossom end rot. Two, re, two things come to mind. We used to say it was calcium, lack of calcium in the soil. So ensure that you are using a well-balanced fertilizer. Tomatoes are heavy feeders, so you are going to be feeding. Make sure it is a, a good quality fertilizer that has calcium as part of it. Number two, save your eggshells. Crush them all up and sprinkle them out where you're planting your tomatoes. That calcium will be released very slowly, unlike your fertilizer where the calcium is available immediately. Number three is they've decided that blossom end rot is also connected to the way we cultivate our tomatoes. So, So it's got to do with staying on top of the watering. If we go through periods of drought... Uh, tomatoes do not want to be completely dry. So it's very important that we keep consistent moisture on our tomatoes, and that will help avoid blossom end rot as well. I do that. Okay. But uh, unfortunately, I still get the blossom end hmm. rot. They're, they're close to, to raspberries. Would that have any bearing? Shouldn't. 
Shouldn't. And it sounds nice and sunny because they both love lots of sun. Yeah, they're, they're well, well in the sun. So. Um, but, yeah, I, I, so do as you already are. Stay on top of, make sure there's no lack of moisture, and then stay on top of the fertilizing. You could always get a soil test done to absolutely ensure what the quality, sure. <clears throat> excuse me, what the, exactly the nutrient value of your soil is. Because that's, you know, bottom line, a soil test will be the, is always the best way to really get right down to it. Okay, well, I'll try and lay the calcium to it and, and water, make sure they're watered. Thank you very much. Thanks Appreciate so much, Ralph. And thanks. gosh, that just about does it. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting away the spade here and uh, my shovel. Uh, I'll be shoveling along, as will Charlie. Uh-huh. Uh, we're winding up the show for yet another yes, Saturday. Indeed. Thank so, you, Charlie. And thank you, Franklin. Couldn't do it without your help. You are the best. Bless you, my dear. And thank you to all our wonderful callers. I think we might have broken a bit of a record there, I hope. Thank you to James Patrick Dooley, because exactly. we sure couldn't do it without him. And we will see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.